Thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Crossroads. We are glad you took the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can find out more information at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends. Let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Videos of our messages are also online at hope at crossroads.org. And now, Here's this week's podcast. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. If you have your Bible, if you want to open up to Luke chapter 12, while you're turning there, let me thank our let me thank our graduates and um, Peyton for his testimony for our praise team. So grateful for you guys. If you are visiting with us today, uh, normally in just a few minutes we would be transitioning to our small group time. But uh, because of um, because of technical difficulty, there we go. We are no, I'm kidding. Uh, today is a very important day in the life of our church, not only for our preschool and uh, high school and college students, but I believe also uh, for each and every one of us. And uh, ironically, maybe not. God's in charge. He knew uh, before we did. Uh, we're going to be looking at a parable this morning that will help you whether you are a high school, weekday, college graduate, or whether you're just one of those other people like I am today. Uh, it'll speak, I believe, to every single one of us about our role in, uh, in the future and in the life of our church. And as we transition, God does work in seasons. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. Next week will be our final week in the parables. And, uh, and then we will begin our summer study in the book of James. So I am so looking forward to that. But uh, let's pick up with Luke chapter 12 uh, this morning and read it together. Luke chapter 12. We're going to start with verse uh, 13. Verse 13. The parable of the rich fool. And here's what's happening. There's a crowd around and somebody in the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a great crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? 
Jesus says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This morning, I want us to talk about not just uh, following after Jesus' footsteps, but also how can we grasp the opportunities that God sends our way. If you uh, have been a follower of Jesus at any length of time, you know God sends opportunities along our way. And sometimes we take advantage of those opportunities, and sometimes, I can confess, there's many times I've missed those opportunities. And whether, again, you have just graduated, or you're thinking about that next chapter of life, or you've known the Lord Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, if you're still breathing, He's not through with you. He has opportunities for you and opportunities for me. So how can we grasp those opportunities? I think there's three important things, actually four important things that we see here in this parable that Jesus shares to help us when we think about grasping those opportunities. I remember, it's been a long time ago, in 1991, graduating. Some of you are going, that's not that long ago. For me, it's a long time ago, I know. Some of you are going, I wasn't even born yet. Be quiet. I remember 1991, graduating from uh, college, thinking about the future, and I was excited. And uh, I remember graduating from high school. I remember all those seasons where you move from one season of life to another and thinking about the opportunities that are before us. How do we grasp those opportunities, especially and most importantly, the opportunities that God sends our way? Well, Jesus, I believe, gives us four very important tips, four important lessons that we can learn to grasp those opportunities. And the first one he says to this guy in the crowd who yells out about inheritance, and he's focused on money, and we're going to see as we go through this passage that it's really the focus is really not on money. Jesus, as he often does, turns the attention to the most important thing. But to, to jump in where the man is, Jesus replies in verse 15, watch out, watch out. If you've been a part of our study through the book of Mark that we did in January all the way up to Easter, you'll know that many times in the Gospels, especially Jesus said many times following the stories of healing people and feeding people, there were several times where Jesus said, watch out, watch out. Man, that is great advice for every single person. Again, whether we're transitioning from one season of life to another season. We talked a lot lately about watching out. When I was thinking this week about what, what, how do we watch out, I thought about two things that keep us often from watching out. Here they are. This won't be on the screen, but here they are. The first one is this one. Distractions. Distractions keep us from watching out. There are good distractions. There are bad distractions. There can be the uh, commitment maybe to eat right, and you're sitting on the couch watching your favorite ball game and all of a sudden the commercial comes on with a particular thing that you shouldn't be eating and all of a sudden this distraction can lead you somewhere you shouldn't go over to the refrigerator over to the pantry to find those sweets that maybe you don't need we've got to watch out those are distractions those are things that can come our way good or bad that just come along maybe just happenstance maybe coincidence maybe just because of the things of life there are distractions but there's another thing that can keep us from watching out and it's called deception. Deception is a much more powerful force because it's a force that we know comes from the enemy. And the enemy can come and make us uh, examine things by their appearance, the way things look, and make us choose to make certain decisions by deception because that is the enemy's chief 
motive, his chief goal is to be counterfeit, to show us counterfeit things. So we can cease to watch out or fail to watch out because of distractions. We can fail to watch out because we're being deceived. As a matter of fact, Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, watch out. Be sober. Because your enemy prowls about like a roaring lion. It's the same kind of concept that Peter talks about when he talks about deception and Satan coming as a prowling lion. It's the same kind of word he's using right here when Jesus says, watch out. Many opportunities, young people, many opportunities, older people, have been lost because people did not watch out. So watch out. Watch out. What else does he say? He says this. He goes on. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Well, let's talk about the greed part first. It's verse 15. Life, he says, does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's interesting that this man that Jesus is describing in the parable says and uses the personal pronoun many times. In verse 17, the man says, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I will have no place to store my crops. It's interesting that the focus is on him, that focus of greed, which results and actually births in pride. My crops, I'll do this, I'll do that. Possessions, by the way, are not just material things. You understand that. The illustration here is material things and and money, but there can be a lot of things that we put our focus on and our attention on, and maybe even our trust in that can still be possessions. What are some of those, Pastor Jack? Let me give you some because I wrote those down. As you know, by now I write things down. Here's what I wrote down. Possessions are not just material things or money. Possessions can be accolades, accomplishments, achievements. And so while we celebrate graduations today, it'd be very easy, and thankfully you've heard even in testimony this is not the case, but it would be easy for us as we achieve things to think about, look at what I did. My degree, my goal, my accomplishment. And forget the creator of the universe that empowers us and gives us the breath to breathe. And this man was totally missing that. And Jesus was saying to him, watch out for this greed. I often hear people say, and there's this fine line between having ownership of something and realizing that God really doesn't need you. I appreciate what Ashley said about the offices being moved to make room for the weekday. I remember somebody not long after I was called to be one of the pastors here, and we talked about moving the offices. Somebody came in to, the, to my office, one of the pastor's offices, and said, Do you not want your office? And I said to them, This is not my office. Every room in this church does not belong to any individual. Every class does not belong to an individual. This is God's church. This is God's house. He's the owner. That's why we've made room for other people. That's why we've torn down walls and we've moved classrooms because it's not about you and it's not about me. Would I like a little space to land? Well, sure. There's a janitor's closet I'm using right now. I'm kidding. But the point being, we can have greed about a lot of things, not just money. We can have greed about many, many things. And Jesus is beginning to get at the heart of the situation with this parable as he talks about this man and this man saying, these are my crops, I know what I'll do, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'm the head of this, I'm the head of that. We have to watch out for greed. 
That's kind of the first part of what he says. He talks about greed, but he also uses the word be on guard. Be on guard. Very important. It's a military term, really, is what he's saying here. Be on guard yourself. Paul said it this way in Ephesians when he talked about the armor that we're supposed to wear as believers. It's the same kind of concept. Be on guard. Guard your heart. Guard your body. Guard your soul. Guard your mind. And I think one of the things that we learn there about how to be on guard is being very careful. And this is the third thing I see from this story. Number three, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Folks, we live in a country. If you've ever been out of this country, and many of you have, you know what I'm about to say to be true. We live in a country whose primary focus is for us to be comfortable. I'll be hanging around after the service this morning and I would invite you to bring your Bible to me. And if you can show me anywhere in God's Word where God's goal is for you and I to be comfortable, I'd love to see it. Because it's not in there unless you wrote it in the margin by pen. That's not God's goal. God's goal is not even to make you happy. God's goal is to make you and I holy. That's God's goal. When we are holy and we are in tune with God, then we will be truly happy. And not happiness that the world gives us, but happiness as only God can give us. It's actually more better defined joy than happiness. Because our term happiness in North America is by our circumstances. We determine if we're happy, if we have enough food in the pantry, food in the refrigerator, enough money in the bank, enough things stored away, oh, then we're happy. And Jesus knows that that's what this man, because remember, he could read the minds of people, even though the question the man asked is about inheritance, Jesus knows exactly where his heart is. And so he starts peeling the onion, so to speak, to go, let me just tell you, you need to watch out. You need to be on guard against greed because your mind is mentally thinking incorrectly. You're thinking about being comfortable. This won't be on the screen either because I was just thinking about this this morning, but I wrote these things down. By the way, when I talk about North America, you need to understand, I believe with all my heart we live in the best country on the face of the planet. But that doesn't mean we don't have room for improvement. And it doesn't mean we can't learn from underdeveloped and third world countries to help us check our heart. And one of the things that I wrote down this morning, there are kind of three cultural, I just wrote down the word phenomena, three cultural phenomena that cause us to get comfortable. I'll give them to you real quick. Here's the first one I was thinking about this morning. Individuality versus family. In North America, it's all about me, my, mine, being number one, looking out for number one. That's really a North American concept pretty much. In other places on the planet, it's all about taking care of family. I'm glad we heard a testimony about the importance of family. I'm not talking about blood family. I'm not talking just about kin family. I'm talking about spiritual family. Family is important, but in our world, we have this tendency to lean toward individuality. I brought a little prop up here. Because you guys have seen a lot of jerseys. A lot of jerseys on teams like the University of South Carolina. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there one more time. Just, just one more time for today. On most of the jerseys, just like this one, you'll see the team name, right? Now, this one doesn't have it, but on a lot of jerseys on the back of the shirt, 
It has the person's name. What can we learn for that? We can learn this. The team is what's out front. The team is what's out front. The team is what's important. In our world, though, we focus on the name on the back of the jersey. That's who seems to be most important. I'll tell you, you talk to any coach in the world that's worth their salt, and they'll tell you it's great to have some highly motivated athletes and some leaders on the team, but they will quickly tell you it takes a team to win, not just one person. And I believe in life, whether you're graduating, whether you are already graduated and trying to remember those years of youth, it takes a team effort. It takes all of us doing our part. I've heard it said this way, together everyone accomplishes more. That's kind of the acronyms for the letters in team. So individuality versus family is kind of a thing in our culture that is pushed. And I know there's a tug of war there because I say often, and I believe the Bible teaches this, that you are important. God wants to use you. You are God's plan A. The flip side of that same coin is God doesn't need you. God chooses to use you. He chooses to use me. It's a privilege. We are a part of his team, but he doesn't need us. Another thing I see in our world that causes us to get comfortable is superficiality versus deep relationships. You say, Jack, what what does that mean? It means this. When you focus on yourself individually, it's easy to be superficial. Because when you're in relationship with other people, they start calling you out. They start telling you things they don't like about you. They start letting you know certain things about habits, certain things about you. It's relationships. That's why you hear me often harp on small groups in our church. The only thing that will push you and I to go deeper in our relationship with Jesus is rubbing one-on-one in relationship with other people. I can prove that from the Word of God. And in our culture, our culture pushes us to be individual, which we don't realize it, but it's pushing us to also be superficial. That's why I've talked to pastors a lot over the last 14 months in the midst of this pandemic. And many of them, them tell me, even in the groups of people that they have, that oftentimes the comment will be, well, I've been in that class with that person for 20 years, but I really don't know them. And the reason they say that is because there's really never been conversation. It's all been superficial. Last thing real quick I'll just say about being comfortable. Something else that pushes us to be comfortable we see in this text is that we often think about today versus tomorrow. We see it everywhere. If I actually tried out every weight loss, get fit program that shows up in my newsfeed on Facebook, wow, if I tried some of those out, I'd be able to bench press 500 pounds and I'd be just a monster athlete up here because some of them come in and pop up, do this in five minutes a day. This will happen in 10 days. This It's like, really, really, really? No. And it hooks people. And you'll see the number of comments and the number of shares and it's commented and shared upon because it sucks us in because our society wants quick fixes and we want to see things happen right now. And life is not that way. That's what the man wanted to see. As a matter of fact, he says it. He says to this, this is what I'll do, verse 18. He says, I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and then I'll store up all my grain and my goods and I'll say to myself, i got plenty laid up. Everything's taken care of. Now I can sit back, kick back, take it easy, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. 
He talked about laying up things for many years, but here's the sad part, my friend. He didn't know what tomorrow was bringing. Neither do you, neither do I. He was storing up. He kind of had half of the equation, right? He was storing up. Sadly, the philosophy of a lot of churches are to do the same thing, to store up. I've been on staff with churches where they've had a half a million dollars in the bank, and I'm like, what are you waiting for? If Jesus comes back tomorrow, woe is you. What are you going to say? Well, Lord, I had great plans for that half a million dollars. Didn't know you were going to show up today. Surprise. Am I saying don't be wise? Am I saying don't plan for the future? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying to this man either. Matter of fact, if you keep reading this story, Jesus starts talking about consider the lilies of the field. In the next passage, he talks about worry about today, not tomorrow. Because God will take care of you for today and tomorrow. So what is he trying to say to this man? He's trying to say, remember life is short. That's the fourth thing. Remember life is short. You know what? When I was thinking this week and praying, I was praying with great thankfulness. Because Crossroads has a rich heritage of people who have left this life and are living with the Lord, who have shown us how to live knowing that life is short. Matter of fact, Jesus says it this way in verse 20. He says to him, you fool. You don't hear God say very often, or Jesus say very often, you fool, unless it's pretty serious. And Jesus says, God would say to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then what are you going to get with what you have prepared for yourself this very night? The question I wrote down for myself is this, Jack, life is short. What are you doing for God? Are you rich towards God? Are you looking towards tomorrow with spiritual eyes? See, the rich man was looking towards tomorrow, yes. But he was looking toward tomorrow for what? Much like the testimony that we heard earlier. He was looking for tomorrow to take care of himself. That's why he was looking toward tomorrow. No thought of anybody else. He wasn't watching out. He wasn't being on guard. I I believe, in my short time here, I've learned there are people in this church that are watching. That are guarding. People in our church that are not comfortable, that are ready to see God do some incredible things as He has been doing over the decades of history and will continue to as we seek after Him. So what is Jesus saying to you and me this morning? I believe He's saying and calling us out to examine our heart and to see what we think is important. Where are we putting our trust? Where are we putting our possessions? Again, not just financial possessions. Where are we putting our focus? Are we watching? Are we guarding? Are we praying? Are we looking with spiritual eyes? This morning, that's the question that I want to ask you. Individually, I want to ask our church family, what are we focused on? Are we ready to do what God may call us to do in the future to reach those who aren't here yet? In just a moment, we're going to share some things about the future that I believe our team and our Leadership is calling us to do, but first it starts with us. So this morning, maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, the accolades of life, the achievements that I've made, 
Those for often times have been my focus, but I realize this morning I need to put my focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. If that is you, in just a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. Then we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about what that might look like in the future. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow our hearts and our heads in your presence this morning, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, each person in this place. We do want to store up, God. We do want to store up. Your Word tells us to store up. As a matter of fact, Jesus Himself said, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves can't break in and steal, where moth and rust will not destroy or decay. So I pray, Lord, this morning as we turn our attention to You, Holy Spirit, that You would speak to our heart today. There's one in this place that would say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. He needs to be my focus. I pray, Lord, that today would be that day. I pray if there's someone here in our church family today that needs to come down and say, I want to unite with this this wonderful church family, I pray that today they would be obedient to you. Lord, would you have your way during this time of invitation? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joey is going to lead us in a song of invitation. And if you need to respond this morning, I'd ask that you do that. And then after that, we're going to share with our church family. If you're visiting this morning and after the invitation, you need to slip out, you can do that. But if you want to stay, you're welcome to. We're just going to share what we believe God doing in our church family. But before that, would you stand as we sing this song of invitation? And if you need to respond, I trust you'll do what the Lord lays on your heart.
We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message from Crossroads. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. The last year has been one of chaos and confusion, and we know many have become isolated and lonely. You can get Pastor Jack's new book, The Loneliness Solution, Finding Meaningful Connection in a Disconnected World, a great resource that will help you, or you can give to a friend who might be struggling. This resource is also available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.